This is Trice Talk Thursday Live, and I'm Donald Wayne. And I'm Dennis Lee. And it's just a rolling down here with, uh, you know who that is singing that? Rolling, rolling, rolling. Well, not that song. Rolling. Oh, okay. Not that song. Oh, okay. (laughs) Not that song. (laughs) Um, Ah. That's One Republic with, you know, I've I've learned. One Republic, yeah, I, oh, okay. we could add a, uh, a an on the on the back of that, I guess. But all these these groups today that have these names, I mean, there's some weird names on some of these groups. Um, like this is One Republic with Seeb S E E B. Who the heck is Seeb? I don't know. It could be short for something, I guess. Uh, what Seebus? Sea biscuit. Sea biscuit. <laughs> what a horror. Uh yeah. You know, and somebody named Shy Martin and Zahn. Zahn, that sounds like uh, something Zahn, from, from a, a Superman movie or something. I was about to say that. <laughs> uh, that was Zod, though. That wasn't uh, Zahn. That was Zahn. You were bowed to me. Uh, uh, a group a group named The Color of a Dream. Uh, uh you know, Marshmallow. I've played several songs with somebody in there called Marshmallow. I, oh, I like marshmallows. You like marshmallow? Especially when they're roasted. Oh, well, Marshmallow may not appreciate that. Hey, welcome, Coach. Um, hey, yeah, Coach. But, you know, slap a little chocolate on that thing. Yeah. So you better explain what you're talking about. That marshmallow. Thank you. Hey, <laughs> Coach. Oh, look, Coach has their own show. I see it by the V. Oh, um, uh, by the V. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, yeah. I don't see you it. Tell when somebody has their own show, they got that little red circle down to the bottom right of their icon there. Well, yeah. I, you're seeing something. I don't see. I can't see it on my screen. You can't see it. Hey, Samuel. No, no, I can't see it. Hmm. It's not the showing up on my screen. Here. Well, I, I see it very well. <laughs> um, well, it's Thursday night, and golly, we've almost Ooh. made it through another week. And I, oh, hope, I just can't I, wait. I hope I hope everybody has a little gas left in their tank. Um, you know, figuratively just, speaking, or well, you know, I'm in their automobile, not necessarily oh, okay. 
their body. Although I hope you have a little gas left in that too, because you know, nothing uh, pisses off a boss more than somebody coming in and they just don't have the uh, energy to do their job. That's right. Especially on a Friday, you got to get it out. (laughs) Unless it's a government job and then it probably doesn't matter, but well, you know, need to be fixed. Let me see. Where's I was going to do the drum drum thing there, and I can't find a drum. Where are my drums? Who did this to me? What did we say that was going to be? Uh... Yeah, the comedy thing. Whoa, okay. there we go. Hey. Hey, Jess. Well, hey, Jess Duck. My goodness. We feel honored. Wow. Yes, you want to give her the clap? Uh, you know, you were giving that I, out generously yeah, last but that, night. That was, I think uh, I think we ran out yesterday. People Maybe set not. up a lot of doctor's visits today. <laughs> um, hey, lady me, welcome. Hey, lady me, to the show. Oh, hey, Moxie. Moxie, welcome, Moxie. Moxie. Um, yes, Thursday indeed. Thursday indeed. Well, you know it. Yeah, you have you had any problem getting gas since you have to do a lot more driving uh, than I well, do? Well, you know, I, I I filled up, and people look at that one or two ways. Oh, you idiot! You know, you could have stayed home, or two. You know, good for you. Can we get some? Um, yeah, I filled up a couple of days ago before it really hit. So I'm I've got about three hundred miles left to go. Well, I don't know if, if you. Can, could you really tell your boss, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't buy gas in time, so I can't well, come le- in today? It's legitimate, though. I mean, you know, I can only, you know, I, I just thought about that today. I wonder how much the price of an Uber or a taxi has gone up because of the fuel shortage, you know, and the price of a gallon of gas. Yeah, but the gas oh. here in Atlanta hasn't gone up all that much. And I know it has That's... in California and, and New York and other places, but California. I think ours has only gone up. Here? Well, yeah, but I mean, I think I paid two seventy something. <clears throat> of course, you know, it when it gets up to four dollars like it was several years ago, uh, <clears throat> when somebody else was in office, um, you know, it cost me, I think I said this the other night, almost a hundred dollars to fill up my truck. That Jeez. hurt. That hurt. Uh, I got a 26 gallon tank in my truck and it, it was, uh, it, it hurt, but yeah, I, I was driving uh, a couple of weeks ago. The place I worked for had rented a, uh, F-150 super duty extended cab to replace a vehicle that was out in maintenance. And, uh, yeah, it took almost a hundred dollars to fill that bad boy. <laughs> Man, it, it sure was nice. You could well, roll over anything in that. And a friend of mine, uh, used to have, uh, a dually, a Dodge Ram dually that had two gas tanks on that sucker. And I said, how in the world do you even afford to, to fill that up? And, uh, he said, well, it hurts, but then I can drive for, you know, two to three weeks normally before I have to buy gas again. So I reckon it works out somehow or another. Yeah, I reckon. Nope. 255. Well, Uh I'm surprised they had gas in in, uh, North Carolina. Moxie said. 
because they were actually their percentage of being out was higher than a lot of the others that I saw. Well, you know, just the hint of it on the news, everybody's like, well, better go get gas. Kind of like when we hear a, a threat of snow here in, in Atlanta and everybody goes and gets milk and bread and now toilet paper, uh, which I understand toilet oh. paper, but milk well, and bread, I never really understood that. I didn't either because, I mean, do you really eat that much more bread, you know, if you got to stay home for two or three days? I don't know. Hey, man cave. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe bread, but milk. I mean, I guess. Well, you might eat more cereal. Yeah. Or cook with it, I guess. You know, know, if if you're usually leaving early in the morning, you probably don't eat cereal. You know, you don't have as much time. No. No. Unless you're one. I saw somebody eating cereal in their car on the way to work one time. I I just, I couldn't believe it. It, uh, Well, maybe if you got it in a mug and, you know, you just kind of. Tossing it back, you know. Uh, it was in a bowl, and he had a spoon. A, what? He had a spoon and a bowl, and it's just, yeah, it just. Christmas. Yeah, Moxie, power outages are pretty bad up that way. Yeah, there are storms, and then the ice storms, and all. It, pretty much any time the wind blows above thirty miles an hour up there. So. Well, we we escaped another. Uh, winter without having a, an ice storm or, or a snowstorm here in, in Atlanta. So uh, we didn't have to uh, endure that pain this year. Welcome, dude. Um, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. It got awful, but it get down in the upper 40s last night or, you know, mid-morning. So, I mean, it, it could come out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, well it's got to be a little bit colder though you know to, i don't be know worried you about know, that now we'll see where the, the 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 late freeze comes in june i mean we're yeah we're middle of may so i mean we really should be in our 80s and uh starting to feel humidity a little bit more than it has so yeah. i'm not complaining because yeah. i like it i like it in fact oh, july we'll be begging for it so. uh if it wasn't for the podcast tonight i'd be out there throwing logs on that that uh, fire pit out in the yard and uh throwing back a little wine and uh Man, you know just watching old, watching the flames good old yule log out there <laughs> yeah. well you know this is this is the kind of weather to do that kind of stuff it sure is so sure enough, maybe tomorrow night. If is it supposed to stay cold another night here? Um, I don't know. I'll 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 tap into the uh, the weather report here in a second. Uh, <laughs> uh, do we, do we have Skip Willard Johnson Scott? says you know, Willard Scott Skip, or uh, Skip Johnson in Copter Five. Let's see what you know. We'll see what he has to say about it. Uh, do, do they use those anymore? Now they can just use drones. They don't, you know, the drones are going to put helicopter pilots out of business. Yeah, out they're expensive. A, out of jobs. I mean, if you're a cheaper uh, news outlet, then you probably you're probably lucky to have a copter. Uh, he's got some guy riding around in his car making helicopter sounds. Uh, so. Thinking about uh, Jess and 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 uh, Colorado. Did you see that thing on the news today, Dennis? About uh, these two planes that collided, and I think it was around the Denver area. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Two, two sm- One was a very small, mm-hmm. you know, like a look look like a single engine kind of thing, and the other was a, a twin engine, maybe a 
10 or 15 passenger kind of uh, commuter plane. And that commuter plane had uh, a whole, looked like a shark had taken a bite out of the back part of the plane. How in the world that thing stayed together, but it landed safely. Nobody died. The uh, single engine plane had a parachute attached to the plane that deployed after they hit each Jeez. other in midair. And you could see that plane, the little plane coming down with a parachute uh, to the ground. It still landed rather hard, they said, but certainly uh, was better than That's the alternative. Scary. But to see that other plane, it, it just looked like somebody came through and, and knocked out about two sections of the, of the plane and, uh, but it landed safely. So it's, uh, hmm. lucky, lucky for everybody in there. And that, that's why I don't yeah, fly. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I don't fly anymore. <clears throat> yeah. I don't mind it. Um, but when the COVID hit, you know, I'm just like, ah, oh, nah, I think we'll pass on that. And I'd rather drive. Oh. Yeah, I just can't imagine being. Uh, of course, a lot of people are flying now, and and you don't hear a lot about people getting sick, you know, that have traveled by air. So maybe it's uh, okay. But the oh, I can't believe that. Whoops! Right. <laughs> Not fast enough. Jess, were right. you trying to call in, or is that an accident? She butt dialed you, Donald. <laughs> I got excited there. I was trying to get up to the button there to click you in. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, uh, you couldn't okay. get to the bobbling bubble fast enough, Donald. Uh, uh, coach, coach, did you do the same thing? Oh, well, I guess you need you need to do the little <laughs> call-in policy, Dennis. Lee. <laughs> oh, the call-in policy. Is everybody just sitting on their phone tonight? <laughs> yeah, the call the call-in policy is: if you are new to Tristock. We must get to know you in your in in the chat box, and uh, you know know um, you know what you might want to talk about before we bring you on, so that you don't verbally streak across our show. So um, please let us get to know you in the chat first, and then we will give you an opportunity to call in. Thank you. Yeah, I that's to, our. I have to keep policy. in mind that this is different from the little bouncing bubble that we used to deal with. Oh now yeah, you got the strip on there. The now, strip, and I mean, yeah. it only shows up for about, uh, uh, I'd say, less than five seconds, and then it's gone. Uh -huh. You know, the, the bouncing bubble used to <coughs> bounce for, you know, it bounced for ten mm. minutes if I let Quite it. Quite entertaining, yeah. Yeah, bobbling bubble. <laughs> But yeah, I, it, it takes me a second to reach for the mouse and then try to get up there and, and, and click somebody in. So, uh, when, well, when, know, when you can be a slippery sucker, when you allow a caller, you have to say, go, <laughs> let's go real quick. <laughs> Red team go. And it takes, you know, five or six seconds for that thought to go from my brain to my hand and then to the mouse so I can click somebody in oh my <sighs> what can i say i try Where? um so it was an interesting day yes. in the news and uh people are throwing all kinds of stuff around 
I think there's a bunch of angry people now. Have you noticed that in the news? Why so angry? People are, are yeah, they're not not just about gas and everything, but they're getting angry about a lot of stuff and and confronting each other in public. So I'm kind of glad that you know I haven't really stepped out to 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 do any you know eat out or anything. <clears throat> you know, I, I we go pick up pick up some stuff you know to take out at a, yeah. at a couple of mexican restaurants but um i haven't ventured into a restaurant yet so i'm gonna wait until everybody settles down a little bit now yeah we've gone we've gone into restaurants we haven't had any any issues uh, <laughs> well you're uh, you're over there <laughs> over there Oh, what do yeah. you mean, you people? <laughs> yeah, uh, you people are over there, so geez, you know. I mean, just my nothing. Goodness. Just uh, everybody's you, just happy over there on your road, I guess. You know, you east, you east cobbers. Um, hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way, welcome. Um, yes. all righty. Well, let me see what what is on the agenda. Um. And now I have to move over to that. Can you yodel for a second? Uh, you know, you have got me to be the yodeling person that doesn't know how to yodel <laughs> in the history of Podbean. Yeah, well, uh, what yeah, can I? That's, that's about is, all the yodeling I got. Is, is that is that the best you can do with that? And you want us to do the drum roll again, there, Clark? <laughs> 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 the drum roll. <laughs> oh my! Well, but um, but really, um, so you know, this happens from time to time. It's live, uh, and uh, you know, what what can we say? Sometimes we drop it. Sometimes we misplace there, it. Yeah, there's sometimes you don't have control over all of that. Yeah, you know. and and uh, actually, everything <laughs> everything that I wanted is somewhere else right this moment oh my so well yeah it's it's uh, all okay. uh in another location and i'm looking for it so go ahead and okay, just well, uh i'm gonna i'm gonna trip play on down a, there. a musical what? interlude here real quick what kind of music what kind of music i don't know if it's going to work out but um <clears throat> well, let's see maybe oh Have you found it yet, Halloween? I did. Okay. Thank you, good Lord. What? Have you been watching Hee Haw again? I mean. No, that's Boomhauer singing Old Blue Kentucky. <laughs> I don't even know what how is, that came up. What have you got the uh, the whole box set? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, we spared no expense here on Trice Talk. I, I I didn't see that come through on the uh, on, on the expense report, so I. Well, we, there was a meeting. Um, I think they had it while you were in the office. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, so, uh, have you seen the uh, Biden's energy secretary? Uh, 
What? 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 <laughs> he he needs a little energy, so I hope he's got one. So, uh, well, this this she's not for him, but uh, oh yeah. well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> There's an article in the Western Journal by uh, Mister <laughs> Mister Kip Jones. Oh, um, I like old Kip. And the article's entitled Heartless Biden Energy Secretary Chastises Working Class. If you, if you drove an electric car, gas shortage wouldn't affect you, she says. So uh, goes on to say Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm uh, subtly chastised Americans affected by the southeastern U.S. gas crisis on Tuesday, noting that if they'd only driven expensive electric cars, they wouldn't have been inconvenienced. Is there anything more helpful amid challenging times and being looked down upon by an elitist snob? The, that's what the art uh, the um, uh, Kip Jones says. Millions of Americans live in the areas affected by last Friday's ransom attack against the crucial colonial pipeline. Since that pipeline was taken offline, reports of gasoline shortages have been coming in with an alarming frequency. To go along with the gas crisis, the country is currently dealing with a border crisis, a jobs crisis, an inflation crisis, and an identity crisis. Now that President Joe Biden's policies are turning the country into an unrecognizable dystopian hellhole run by green energy fascists. Gee, tell us how you really feel there, uh, Kip. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't hold back, Kip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is anything else? Are you experiencing any issues related to the crisis created by the country's feckless and utterly out of touch leaders? Here's a solution: Don't be poor. Having problems at the pump? You should have driven electric, lowly planet killers. Uh, that seems to be the vibe coming from Granholm on Tuesday when she took questions about the gas crisis from reporters at a media briefing alongside White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. I'm going to have to find something that we can play when, when I mention her name. Although she's only going to be, uh, she says she's only working in that position a year. So, um, Obviously, we have the acute issues with the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, one reporter noted, asking Granholm, but looking more holistically in a macro view, how does this speed up the efforts at DOE to move in more of a renewable direction since this is going to have an impact on people at the pump? Answer, simple. We will cross that bridge when we get there. Would we uh, would have sufficed? Oh, okay. I see. He's he's putting words in our mouth. Uh, but the elitist snob <laughs> heading the energy department had to pontificate. Yeah, I mean, we obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this is this is her. Yeah, he he put words in our mouth. Yeah, I mean, we obviously <laughs> are all in on making sure that we meet the president's goals of getting to 100% clean electricity by 2035 and net zero carbon emissions by 2050, she said. And you know, if you drive an electric car, this wouldn't be affecting you, clearly, she added. Uh, as she, and she did smile when she was saying that. It seemed to be kind of a cute 
thing for her. Granholm, who bragged in March that our electric car literally drives on sunshine. I'd like to see that one used a time of crisis for working class Americans to smile and judge them from behind the podium. She most certainly ate up being asked that question while wearing her not so subtle green blazer. Why don't most Americans drive green electric cars? <clears throat> well, for one, they're expensive. According to car and driver, the average cost of an electric car in 2019 was 55,600. Uh, the average interest rate for an auto loan is around 5.3%. The average length of a car loan for non-prime borrowers, according to Experian, is about 72 months. When you add all that up, the monthly payments for an average electric car with an average credit score and an average interest rate comes out to about $900 a month with zero down and not including insurance. That's the cost roughly of three weeks worth of federal supplemental jobless benefits for the unemployed, who in many cases are now earning more money than average people who chose to work. One round of Democrat stimulus payments for March wouldn't get a single person with no children two months driving the average electric car. So... Um, <laughs> It says, naturally, Granholm on the, and the rest of the Biden administration have no answers with regard to alleviating any of the challenges they've put on so many Americans throughout the last four months. They certainly won't get out of the way, which would be smart. So, anyway. Circle back, circle back, circle back. <laughs> I'll circle back with you. Back with you. Yeah, that's Pisaki. Uh, apparently, she's got a club down in her basement. So, that uh, was so yeah. weird. The only thing I was a little bit surprised by that article, and I, I was is the cost they're saying of the average electric car. Cause I swear that I, Toyota and Honda had come out with some cheaper, uh, electric cars, but I, I don't know that for a fact since they quoted car and driver. So, but you know, $55,000 for the average uh, electric car right now, that, uh, a lot of people don't drive $55,000 cars in this country. Nor will they be buying no. a lot of those uh, no. in, anytime soon. Unless you're going to be living in it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, $900 a month. Of course, I started to say that's the cost of an apartment, but not anymore. Uh, I was surprised, at, you know, um, the, the cost of rents in the Atlanta area. Now, they may have changed this year, but towards the, the, towards the end of last year, you know, the average rents were like thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars a month in Atlanta, Atlanta area. And I'm like, uh, you know, my house payment isn't near that much. So I don't you know, that's that's why a lot of people uh, when the economy was good, were, were buying homes instead of living in apartments. So that's that's all I have to say about uh mm. Uh, the energy secretary. <clears throat> well, you know, um, so, so from you know energy. So you know, yeah. 
Sorrow. Energy, energy to what? I don't know. What the hell is that? <laughs> well, last night BP said that was his noise. Oh, is it? I don't. Well, he's. I don't yeah. see him tonight, so I don't yeah. think we can blame that on him. Oh, hey, Esther. Um, was that it, Donald Wayne? Oh uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought I, I made that. Going on. I thought I made that clear, but maybe uh, I'm sorry. You said yeah. so. So, so so is uh, so. Um. um <coughs> reading something here about something sucked all the air out of the room. I guess that's a good article. Oh well. Um. So there's an article by the Washington Examiner. I tend to start liking them more and more by Paul Bedard. Um, bogus bipartisanship for Team Biden. Harris, the most partisan? <laughs> for all its talk about unity and bipartisanship, President Joe Biden's administration has little experience joining the Republicans and, in many cases, has rejected working with the GOP. The proof is, is, is in the latest bipartisan index from the Luger Center, and that's not Lugie. Luger Center and the McCourt School of Public Policy at Georgetown University, which scores House and Senate members and their outreach across the aisle to co-sponsor major legislation. So consider Vice President Kamala Harris, the former California senator of the 250 senators ranked from 1993 to 2018. Guess what she scored? 246 at the bottom and well <laughs> below notable partisans Hillary Clinton of New York and Jesse Helms of North Carolina and liberal California and Barbara Boxer. Um, other team Biden members were nearly as bad. The report said that former rep uh, Representative Deb Holland of New Mexico, the new interior secretary, ranked 220th of 437 House members scored with a slightly positive rating. Former Re uh, Representative Marcia Fudge of Ohio, who runs housing and uh, urban development, ranked 250th with a slightly negative score. Former Representative Cedric Richmond of Louisiana, who heads the Office of Public Engagement, ranked 326th. That leaves Biden, who was ranked 47 out of the 250 on the lifetime list. Mm -hmm. He had a slightly positive score of zero or of a half a percent by comparison. The top bipartisan senator last year, Maine Republican Susan Collins, had a score of 4.6. So. Yeah, they're uh, not well thought of as being bipartisan, so they may want to think twice about um, running on that little catchphrase there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's already been disproven um, mm. early, early in the administration. Indeed. Why is it that they can get away with saying stuff that, they just absolutely don't intend to do and, and no one ever calls them on it except like now 
Well, who dares? <sighs> who dares? I was Definitely listening. Nobody in their own party. Something yesterday uh, talking about uh, reporters that uh, write articles about the administration. Anybody in the administration, if they're going to quote anybody in there, they have to check with the uh, somebody in the administration's office first to make sure that it's okay to use it or that they approve the article. Um, you know, just in case they, you know, something they don't want them to use. Right. But I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Well, you yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, on to you, Donald Lane. That's just I love the way it flows. What why does the flow seem different? I don't know. I don't know. It says the river's jammed up tonight. <laughs> just um, like um it's like we haven't done this before. Uh, all right. So the next thing I, I got for is from the Western Journal as well. You, uh, I kind of like them. Of course, I get uh, them in the Ep Epic Times. I get a lot of uh, articles from the Epic Times here lately uh, that come through my email. Um, so this was from Western Journal, and it's by, oh, Kip Jones again. Kip is really a busy dude over there. Dude. Dude. The dude. Um, his title of this article is, X MSNBC host black people should have the right to kill a white person who calls them the N word. Um, uh, I don't you know since I never really watched MSNBC, I don't remember this particular guy, but I'll go on and, and, uh, do the article, a former M, M and it's hard to say MSNBC host argued on social media Thursday that black Americans who are, call racial slurs should be legally permitted to murder the person who offended them. Uh, it looks like his name is Toure Neblet, a one. Neblet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Neblet, Neblet, N-E-B, uh, a uh, one time on air, on, on air host for MSNBC commented on the recent death of a 77 year old man in Florida who was punched by a black employee at a Duncan. It just says Duncan, but it's a Duncan donuts location uh -huh. in Tampa a week ago. Did you, have you seen that story? No, I have not. No way. Uh, my wife said that she had seen the story on, you know, saw it online, but uh, anyway, the 77-year-old man was punched in a Dunkin' Donuts by a 27-year-old Corey Pujol, Pujols, who is black, who was working at the location when an impatient customer entered the store after becoming fed up with poor customer service. The victim, who has not been named, engaged in a verbal spat with Pujols, in which he was alleged to have twice used a racial epithet Per police, Pujols punched the man who fell to the ground and later died. Pujols, oh Pujols is charged with aggravated manslaughter of an elderly or disabled adult with a weapon. Um, I, they don't mention a weapon here, but uh, Neblet, who routinely posts racially charged statements online under the name Young Daddy, 
took up the case on Twitter and made a plea for leniency for the accused killer. And this is uh, evidently from his tweet. A 77 yo white customer at Dunkin Donuts was upset about something. And he called a black 27 yo employee, the N word. The brother then told him, say it again. The old man did. The brother knocked him out. The old man fell, lost consciousness and died. He effed around and found out Neblet tweeted. Uh, so that's what he, and it shows the tweet here. Uh, in another post, he concluded, if there was actual justice in this country, as opposed to white justice, then if you went to someone's minimum wage job and called them the N-word twice, whatever happened after that would be legally acceptable. The former MSNBC host then tweeted an array of messages defending the murder of people who use racial slurs. Um, and it's got some of his tweets in here, which I'm not going to read those. The main flaw in Neblet's unhinged argument is this. Words, no matter how ugly, insensitive, or vulgar, do not equate to violence. Full stop. The man killed in the attack, if indeed he did utter a racial slur, as was accused, should be breathing right now. He should not have been removed, or he should have been removed from the Dunkin' Donuts location by police. And if that's, if that, and that's if he had not let his own, uh, if he had not left of his own free will, in no context. And it's shocking that as a country, we have to shoot down such a disgusting argument is using an ugly word in any way equal to denying someone their life. Hearts and minds can be changed, but killing someone is permanent. Words are themselves not violent unless those words are, I'm going to kill you. And uttered by someone with the intent and means to imminently, imminently kill also, let's look at Neblet's flawed logic. Per the former MSNBC host, the man who lost his life in this all-round tragic situation effed around and found out. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like the guy should have complied with the commands of the arresting officer, or why didn't the man stop resisting? Do today's race baiters even have uniform standards for their arguments? Do they have standards or behaviors for themselves? According to the logic of Black Lives Matter and affiliated activists, black men and women, no matter their alleged crimes or behavior, are entitled to life and liberty as absolute conclusions. The behavior of some people preceding their deaths is always to be blamed on police officers. Suddenly, when an elderly white man is accused of using the N-word, the taking of his life is justified with no further explanation needed. This is, of course, further proof, if we need any, that the current social movement against systemic racism is nothing more than a platform for imbalanced people feeling aggrieved to become publicly unhinged and with the full support of the country's institutions. It's about nothing more than skin color, as it always is. Whatever happened to walking away from someone who is not worth your time? It's clear why MSNBC once found Neblet 
worthy of airtime. His opinions have no place being taken seriously in a civilized society. Human life is precious, even if the person killed allegedly held hatred or prejudice in their heart. The life of another person, even amid an emotional situation, should only be taken as a final and last resort to all other means of de-escalation, always. That's something that is apparently not taught at home anymore in this country. Um, almost, it makes me think about that. That did you hear the story about? And this not the same scenario, but uh, that birthday party where some guy went in and, and killed several people at a birthday party, and the reason given was that he wasn't invited to the party. Did you hear that story? <clears throat> no, it sounds like a uh, you know snowflake who cracked up. No. It's just that's horrible. So I I have not seen any video of that, and I I can imagine if this guy's coming in there running his mouth, but you know, I mean, if you hit somebody that's elderly, more than likely, you know, there's a good chance that they could uh, have some uh, serious uh, fallout from that, and and usually death. Um, so, you know, you pretty much know if you're going to hit an elderly person, uh, you're probably going to be charged with, uh, some, you know, some kind of murder charge. Mm. It's more than likely going to happen. And that's a shame for somebody 27 years old. I mean, he, he probably had a reason to be mad at the guy, but, um, you know, it's just, you, you, you just, you can't punch people like those people fighting at the gas station yesterday or a couple of days ago, uh, spitting on each other, adults spitting on each other. <laughs> Just, um, I, I, what can I say? Speechless. It's a mess. Speechless. Spe yeah. There's your, we need to find a recording of that. It's a mess. All right. What in the world? Is that an alert? This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Yeah, well, it won't be long before we have that. <laughs> that, was a, that was a weird movie, you know? That was a weird yeah, movie. They've just, they're coming out with, a, I think, a final installment. Um, and they're going to call it the Biden... <laughs> exchange no, i don't think they're calling it that but there'd be something something weird um they said there's going to be a lot more violence uh but uh then you know we'll, we'll just ask the questions like the washington examiner did and tiana lowe said uh she did this article she said where the hell is joe biden by the way like you know where in the world is carmen san diego um, Joe Biden's presidency should have begun as a success story. Biden inherited a good economic situation, benefited from the Operation Warp Speed's quick development of a vaccine, and got to see his predecessor make a disgrace of himself with the election-rigging conspiracy theories. Well, you know, we'll talk about that later. Yet instead of heading into the roaring 20s, liberating locked-up uh, denizens to endless dinner parties and dances were seemingly regressing into 1978. 
with Jerome Powell promising to keep interest rates around that historical safe level of near zero, Biden is pumping trillions of dollars into the economy to bail out blue states already benefiting from Donald Trump's own fast and loose hand. Teachers unions happy to hold tens of millions of children hostage and former workers who realize, uh, hell, Uncle Sam and Wall Street have greater profit margins than Main Street. The result? Inflation skyrocketed by 4.2% last month. It turns out that you can just scream, but we're the world's reserve currency while devaluing said currency and forcibly inhibiting economic growth with ludicrous lockdowns. We fell 75% short of the expected million jobs created, rendering this last one the worst jobs report in history. All of this raises the question, where the hell is the man allegedly in charge here? (laughs) And perhaps more importantly, where are the people apparently pulling the strings? After Treasury Secretary and Powell's much more astute predecessor, Janet Yellen, Yellen warned that interest rates would have to rise to prevent the economy from overheating, she quickly walked back her comments under pressure from her boss, the way all of Biden's more rational advisors are eventually forced to do. The left correctly liked to lampoon the right's defense of Trump as, but he fights. Biden's Biden's, uh, obvious impotence lends him to the critique that although we may have the nice tweets, he eventually does not fight at all. We shouldn't be in a crisis at all, and yet Biden only emerged on late Wednesday to address one of the crises heading his way. Biden, formerly a supporter of Israel, but always prone to idiotic foreign policy fads, had the proper cue cards in place, offering his unwavering support for Israel's right to defend itself. Before, uh, But before Biden left, he gave the game away. I'm not supposed to be answering all these questions. I'm supposed to leave, Biden said. Apparently, nobody knows who he's talking to. (laughs) Returning to the podium, perhaps to entertain the free press. But before he could defy his handlers, he remembered to follow directions, exiting just as a reporter asked about inflation. Oh, well, at least inflation never cost a senile Democrat his entire career. Oh, I mean, where the hell is the president? Well, we have seen him uh, several. In fact, I've we've seen him more lately, more than I want to see him, really. But uh, yeah, well, we've seen him. But, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, now it's like okay, if you've been knocked up, what? You, that's inoculated, sir. What? Um, you, you're supposed to say vaccinated, sir. Yeah, what he said. If you've been knocked <laughs> up, then you don't have to wear your mask. That, no, that's if you got the vaccine, sir. That's what I said. <laughs> um, can you imagine prepping Biden for any kind of public speaking event? I would lose my mind. They're probably going through a person a day trying to get him ready for these things. Uh yeah, probably, and, and imagine the font that they have to use on the teleprompter for him because he looks like he's oh. really straining. Um, 
those those beady eyes (laughs) piercing into your soul i mean i have a little bit of sympathy for him because of his age i mean he really was he really shouldn't have to deal with all this stuff the democrats were really unfair putting him through this but um well, that's because all they, all they had was Hillary. So <laughs> they're like, well, is Biden still lurking around back there? Yeah, hold on. He's uh, he's petting somebody's hair right you, now. You need to do. Well, go get him. Go get him when he's You need done. to do the call-in uh, thing again. Oh, or do I? <laughs> so, Might have to do that, you know, two or three times. A, uh... is, your bibble, is your bibble bubbling? Um yeah, if you want to call into the show, we'd be happy to take your call. But um, we got to get to know you in the chat first, because uh, we've been plagued with some uh, some um, you know linguistic streakers, you may say, when they get in front of the microphone. So we have to get to know you first. Not that we won't let you be on the air, but we just won't be let you be on the air right now. So and you have to state state yes. what the subject that you want to talk about or the statement you want to make. That's right. And you have to let it all hang out for uh, you know for everybody to see. So um, I'll volley that to you, Donald. All right. Well, I'm not going to do the little Joe Biden uh, "Come on, man" thing tonight. I'll just I do, well, I just did it. Oh, I I, I, I getting where do I like you, you really like that? I mean. Yeah. How many, how many yeah, you, you, you like do? the push-ups yeah. part. That, yeah, he sounds like this. Hey, why you, now you're just which that weird. bothers me the fact that you like that so much. Actually, I do. I'm like that's the only funny thing I hear come out of his mouth. <laughs> come on, man! 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 How many push-ups you want to do here, pal? Up. <laughs> did you hear did you hear her say that that gets me every time it gets me and every time because you hear her just barely say oh that's just like I, yeah. you're challenging me to push-ups uh, yeah. just doesn't make sense Gee, how, how dare you you know who i am all right so you know uh since his boss uh pretty much canceled the uh, keystone pipeline uh, one of the first things that he did, you know, he couldn't wait for his chair to get warm before he signed that little booger off. Um, and this is another article from the Western journal and it's guess who it is. It's Kip Jones again. He must be the only reporter they have. I'm beginning to believe I'm going to have to check some other articles and they're working. The hell out <laughs> no, of I hope Kip, they pay you. him a lot of money, but <laughs> anyway, uh, it says, uh, John Kerry now says pipelines are more efficient, even though Biden canceled Keystone Pipeline. So pipelines are more efficient. Former Secretary of State John Kerry became the second Biden administration figure in as many days to effectively admit that pipelines are more efficient than any other means for delivering fuel. <laughs> so... Just four months after the White House canceled the permit for the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, Kerry, a climate alarmist who routinely flies across the globe in uh, flies across the globe and in 2017 bought a home for $11 million on the low flying island of um, Martha's Vineyard, 
despite warning years earlier that rising sea levels imperil the coast, made the comments before the lawmakers at the House Foreign Affairs Committee hearing. The current climate uh, envoy to the Biden White House made the admission upon questioning from Republican Daryl Issa of California. Isn't it true that the pipelines are more carbon delivery efficient than trains or trucks or other forms of delivery, he said? If you could answer that, just that one limited question, Isa asked Kerry. Yeah, it's true, Kerry responded. I think that is true, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily want to be adding another line when there are alternatives. But it is better than train and uh, better than that. Yes, it is better than that. I don't know what the that is. Kerry, an alleged pipeline of information for the Iranian regime, had to include a, a, a side with his response when making note of those other alternatives, apparently aware of the booby trap that was ISIS question. Right now, those alternatives, which are likely in the green energy category, are not realistic or feasible on a mass scale. Someone should tell Kerry to ask Texans how green energy worked out for them in February during a freak winter storm. The state's power grid essentially collapsed when amid other woes, including admittedly a failure of natural gas wells and pipelines, wind farms froze and solar panels became so compacted with snow they failed to keep up with the demand. You'd think they'd have some kind of heating elements on those solar panels, wouldn't you? Um, people died from exposure to bitter cold. At this moment, other alternatives certainly won't help people across the southeastern U.S. get gasoline following the complete shutdown of the Colonial Pipeline. What Kerry was essentially saying was that pipelines are the most efficient and environmentally friendly way to transport fuel from point A to point B, but that the point is irrelevant because the current administration in turn in turns to intends it should be intends to cancel oil and gas without suitable green energy alternatives in place where does that leave you and your family who cares john Kerry is filthy rich and has no need to worry about the problems of small people while he goes around building better uh, things back better that's presumably why Biden and the Democrats made canceling the permit for Keystone such a high day one priority back in January. They're out to change the world, supporting the end of a system that they view being outdated while not caring what replaces it or who is affected by it, so long as it isn't them. We heard language similar to Kerry's on Tuesday from Energy Secretary uh, Jennifer Granholm. And we talked about her a minute ago. Um, we have doubled down on ensuring that there's an ability to truck oil in and gas in to areas without enough fuel. But it's the pipe is the best way to go, Granholm said. Granholm and Kerry are probably the two most influential people in the Biden administration with regard to the country's energy sector. And both admitted in one span of about a day this week that pipelines are the safest and most efficient way to transport much needed fuel, despite the administration's previous demonization of pipelines. During his admission, Kerry laughably invoked alternatives 
if a pipeline such as the Keystone or the Colonial is so admittedly sensible and safe, at what point would an alternative even become necessary? And that's all he has to say about that. But that's funny that um, both of them would admit that uh, pipelines are, are more carbon friendly because you don't have uh, gas powered vehicles, you know, transporting it. So, you know, it almost like uh, it, it just it makes it baffling why Joe Biden was in such a hurry to cancel the pipeline. Because um, I was it a story came out that um, uh, there was a favor to the trucking industry because that's a union job uh, in a lot of places because canceling the pipeline that that meant that they were going to have to start using more, more uh, tankers to transport the fuel across the country, which would be more jobs for, uh, or more money for the union truckers and so forth. So, Mm. yeah. Sounds like some, some sleight of hand. You know, there's always an underlying reason. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's like police are always told to do, or detectives are always told to do, you know, to, to figure out why something happened. You always, you look for the underlying reasons. You look for the people that had the most to gain from something that went wrong. So there you go with that. Hmm. Beans and peas. Well, beans and peas. I mean, really, <laughs> <clears throat> well, um, I guess we'll, we'll truck on over to the corner here since we're going to, you know. You got baby in the corner? Nobody puts baby yeah. in the corner. Now, as your father probably told you, my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. Now, let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. Now, you kids are probably saying to yourselves, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the world by the tail and wrap it around and pull it down and put it in my pocket. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're probably going to find out as you go out there that you're not going to amount to jack squat. <laughs> Just another public service message from your friends at Tristar. You, you think he had high blood pressure? I mean, that guy was... <laughs> he, he, he was he was wild. I, you know, he's one of the ones that are I missed, know. for sure. He was following in Jim Belushi's, or John Belushi's uh, footsteps. I saw uh, and yeah. watching some, I think it was... Carson and maybe in Jay, maybe probably Jay Leno stuff because he wasn't around with Carson. Jay Leno and saw him on Jay Leno for the first time, and he was just, um, just I mean, his face was all red and he was just so worked up, but such a funny guy. Well, this ought to get you worked up, Donald Wayne. Uh, Newsweek, uh, Jenny Fink has a story that 130 mice were rescued from one home after mating situation spiraled out of control yes i know you're all intrigued now um about about the mating habits of mice yes 
That's right. Britain's largest animal charity is looking to rehome more than 130 mice that were rescued from a home where a pet owner found themselves in over their head, you might say. The RSPCA, um, that's what it means to me, was called to a house in Atherstone, Warwickshire, in April after becoming aware, uh, oh my goodness, Natal multi mammax What? Uh, what? Um, Can you spell that for me? Multi, multi-mamate mice were being kept in poor conditions. Were they now? Upon arrival, they found 136 mice in the home, which may have been the result of the breed being able to have large litters and the owners failing to neuter them or separate the mice by sex. I mean, really. The situation had spiraled out of control, the RSPCA told Newsweek. Rodents in general are known for having active mating habits. I mean, <laughs> you've heard of the wool sock. Huh? What? And with up no. to... No. <laughs> with up to... With, with up to 24 nipples, many more than the standard mouse. The natal multi-mate is known for being a prolific breeder i mean really females breed throughout the year and a litter can range from 10 to 16 babies no wonder they need 24 nipples rspca inspector richard durant who went to the property said some people may not realize animals will inbreed and therefore need to take steps to prevent reproduction it's unclear how many animals the owner originally purchased, but Durant noted that it can be difficult to properly care for 136 rodents, you think? So the RSPCA was happy to step in to provide advice to the owner and to dis- you know discuss um, you know sex education to the mice and help rehome the mice as well. Given the large number of animals, the RSPCA spread the rodents out among Centuries in seven locations. The West Hatch Animal Center in Taunton took in the largest number, 36 mice, followed by the Millbrook Animal Center in Chobham with 16 mice. By the end of the day, that had multiplied to 60. The RSPCA (laughs) noted that the mice, also referred to as the common African rat, that sounds racial, <laughs> aren't always the easiest to handle. Ideally, the group is hoping to find a pet owner who has experience with small furries uh, and rodents, so they are used <laughs> to handling the animal and have the right environment in place. The mice, the RSPCA said, will need a spacious glass home with good ventilation. Not sure what that means, so they can explore but not escape. Several websites suggest a glass aquarium with a mesh top. A listing on the RSPCA's website notes that the mice at the Chobham facility are being adopted in pairs or as a group of four, and that they will need gentle, regular handling um, (laughs) since they're a bit shy. I don't think they are. It doesn't sound like it. Well, they're not. They're not <laughs> modest. They're <laughs> I mean, really. Um, along with the mice, the center in Martlesham took in. They noted on their website that they had several mice born at the facility. I mean, they just barely got them through the door. 
with their 24 nipples. So they have more to rehome than initially inspected. Um, my goodness, I didn't realize that uh, they, uh, they, they, you know, spawn that quick. But, um, yeah, so you might want to stay away from that breed of mouse if you don't want a house full. Um, so we'll go from that to the... <laughs> Before uh, you... Do you remember... <laughs> sorry to interrupt there, but you're thinking about all these mice. It reminds me of a scene in Bad Boys uh, 2. Do you remember that, where they went into the... They broke into the... Uh, well, they didn't break in, but they went into uh, the drug lord's mansion uh posing as uh uh what do you want to call it? pest control people they were they were called uh-huh. there to get rid of the mice and that was one of the funniest scenes in in the movie you remember that they go in the attic I and they got all these mice running around and then some of the mice are actually you know busy and uh oh, yeah my. and uh no, I, I have to go. I have to watch oh, that one again. Yeah, but they're posing as as uh, you know pest control people, and uh, uh, yeah, he he was Martin Lawrence was saying, yeah, they they, they reproduce, you know, four or five times a day. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an amorous situation they yeah. have there. Um, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to slow so, you down. That, <laughs> just I, you, you made me think about mice. And, uh, everybody gets that thought in their head. There, they can just picture that. Hold on to it for a minute. Um, the Business Insider has a story that the mysterious Havana syndrome has reportedly affected over 130 people, far more than previously known. And this is by um, R. Pickrell. Havana um, syndrome. That's Ryan. That is the Havana syndrome, and we're not talking about the cigar. Um, The cases of the mysterious brain injuries that have been dubbed the Havana syndrome. You remember that when the people were staying at the, uh, that hotel in Havana and then uh, have started having headaches and couldn't hear and all that good stuff. I I, I don't Um, remember that. Okay. My my lifetime. Uh, (laughs) Yes. uh, Yeah. Only a few years ago. Uh, have reportedly affected many more U.S. personnel than previously thought. There were about 60 publicly confirmed cases, primarily from incidents in Cuba and China, but the situation is much more widespread, affecting over 130 people in a number of locations around the world, according to a New York Times report, uh, citing nearly two dozen current and former officials. Strange and unexplained episodes have been causing brain injuries of varying severity in spies, <laughs> diplomats, and even military personnel working for the CIA, mm. Department of State, and Department of Defense over the past five years. In one incident that occurred in 2019, a U.S. military officer suddenly experienced severe nausea and headaches as his child cried in the back seat after pulling into an intersection. The symptoms faded and his two-year-old son stopped crying as soon as they pulled away, according to the Times. Both father and son received government medical attention, um, the Times reported, adding that some officials suspect they may have been targeted. The incident has been of concern to both the Trump and Biden administrations. Since December, at least three CIA officers have reportedly been affected. One is said to have occurred in the past two weeks. This Biden administration is conducting a full review of the incidents of the Havana syndrome 
which refers to where cases first started showing up. Yeah, it was in 2016. Yep. President Donald Trump was quick to blame the Cuban government after the first cases appeared, though his State Department declined to do so at the time. White House Press Secretary mm-hmm. Jen Psaki uh, stated last Friday the vast majority of the cases have happened overseas, but there have been episodes in the U.S. as well. CNN recently reported that there have been at least two incidents on U.S. soil, including one near the White House. Pisaki said that the team is collecting reports of U.S. personnel experiencing sensory phenomena such as sound, pressure, or heat concurrent with or followed by physical symptoms such as sudden onset of vertigo, nausea, or head and neck pain. But um, she said, we are bringing the U.S. government's resources to bear to get to the bottom of this. Um, That was National Security Council spokeswoman Emily Horn who said that actually. The Biden administration is still unsure of the cause. Um, But as of now, we have no definite information about the cause of these incidents and it is premature and irresponsible to speculate. Office of the Director of National Intelligence spokeswoman Amanda Scotch told the Times. Good drink there, lady. Um, some in the Pentagon reportedly suspect that Russia may be involved, though other U.S. officials dispute this. Moscow has denied any involvement. As uh, for what may be the cause, there are theories like one from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, that the injuries result from some sort of microwave attack while somebody's put in a hot pocket. The lack of clarity about the cause and whether all of the incidents have the same cause make it difficult to attribute the cases to a microwave weapon with any degree of certainty. Directed energy microwave weapons take energy from a power source, convert it into radiated electromagnetic energy and then focus it on a target but such weapons are generally designed to disable electronic equipment or search for signs of uranus Um, numerous experts including ones with expertise in microwaves have said that it is implausible that one would be behind the attacks with no clear biological connection to microwaves to havana syndrome it's not possible to describe a weapon that could produce that syndrome. Cheryl Rofer, a chemist at the Los Alamos National Laboratory for 35 years, wrote in a recent foreign policy column, the evidence for microwave effects of the type categorized as Havana syndrome is exceedingly weak, she added. No proponent of the idea has outlined how the weapon would actually work. No evidence has been offered that such a weapon has been developed by any nation, and you've got a better chance of getting it on with one of those mice in the story previously. <laughs> so I um, yeah, I don't know. They're trying to figure out what this is. and uh, But for right now, it's the deadly uh, or the treacherous Havana. Syndrome. Well, wasn't didn't Obama, uh, wasn't he the first one to open up travel to Cuba, make it legal? Uh, he was, a long yeah, time. Yeah, there are friends. Yeah. Um, but that, I think that didn't last very long. Um, and the last quickie we got here is, um, Newsweek has a story that 18 elephants, again with the elephants, uh, were killed after being struck by lightning in India. Lightning. Um, 
This is a story by Matthew and Pelly. 18 elephants were killed in the Indian state of Assam on Thursday after being struck by lightning. According to the publication The Hindu, the elephants were located in the Kandali proposed reserve force of Assam's Nagan district. Assam's chief wildlife warden, M.K. Yadava, said the local staff said 18 elephants have died and lightning is most likely the cause. There have been cases of lightning striking animals down. Lightning claimed five, uh, claimed five elements, uh, <laughs> elephants in West Bengal some time ago, but this is huge, Yadava added. While speaking to the press, Trust of India, the PTI, Assam's principal chief conservator of forest wildlife, Amit Shaya, said that uh, when his team arrived to the reserve forest on Thursday, they discovered 18 elephant carcasses in two different groups. 14 were lying atop the hill and four were found at the bottom of the hill, he said, according to the Tribune India. Sahay noted that while preliminary investigations found the elephants to have died from electrocution from the lightning, the exact cause of death will not be known until Friday following a post-mortem investigation. Several photos and videos of the elephants' carcasses were posted on social media following the incident. Um, the 18 wild elephants found dead in two spots in the hill area near Bamuni. Preliminary investigation conducted by the Assam Forest Department revealed that the wild jumbos could be killed by lightning. I mean, I, I guess they're not superheroes, no. but uh, Primal Sukhlebadia, um, <laughs> Assam's forest minister. He needs to get a nickname. Suck. Come here, suckle. Um, also posted a photo of one of the elephants that was killed by the lightning strike. Deeply pained by the deaths of the 18 elephants last night due to massive thunderstorm under Kothiatali Range in Nagan, Sakliad Babada wrote in a tweet, I shall be visiting the site tomorrow morning along with the PCCF and senior officials to take stock of the situation as directed by the HCM, Dr. Shimtawazbi Awa. Um, while speaking with the Asian News International, Suckley said it is a very saddening incident that this never happened before in the Assam force. Um, Sabranada Sanawal, Assam's former chief minister, also posted a tweet about the elephant's death, stating that it was unfortunate. It is an immense loss to Assam's wildlife and biodiversity, Sanawal's tweet added. Um, India Today reported that data found that Assam had the second most elephants in India with around 5,719 in 2017. Um, so yeah, that's sad. You, you don't think that a lightning strike would take out 18 elephants at once. But um, that's a pretty strong bolt. I I remember, you know, last week, I, I think I was talking about, uh, you know, I'm not going to Disney World anymore, but the last time I was there, got on that African safari ride. And, of course, it's Florida. Uh -huh. It's the summertime. So, you know, you've got your thunderstorms come through. Um, and we're on this little, I don't know, it's a, like a tran thing, you know, uh, open air, but it's got a canopy over it. And we're out there and this thunderstorm comes up and there's lightning bolts going everywhere uh, all around. And I was just afraid that some of the animals are going to get hit or we were going to get hit. 
and uh, especially the giraffes. You ever, you ever think about it? As tall as giraffes are, they're standing out in the open, oh, yeah. you know, and they always say lightning goes to the, uh, the quickest path to ground. So um, I, I asked the guy, are any animals ever struck by lightning down here? He said, no, nobody's ever been struck yet, but yet. And since I'm not going back, I don't have to worry about it. But, yeah, it was a little bit hairy that yeah. day. Jeez. Hmm. Uh, that's all we got. In the well, I counted the number of times that you mentioned that guy's name. I think that was eight. Oh, okay. Well, um, <laughs> it was a suckle. Yeah. Uh, anytime you can have 26 nipples and somebody named Suckle in the same uh, set of uh, articles, you're doing I'm, pretty good. I'm I'd thinking, say. yeah, you, you, you're, you're looking for a certain thing in your article. I am. I am. There's key words like the government that pick things out. That's, that's what old Dennis Lee Well, does. you know, <laughs> I, I read today, too, that they're um, – that the Biden administration is uh, allowing our um, security folks in Washington, D.C. They're giving them uh, free reign to go out there and start looking at social media more in, in the guise of trying to uh, look for those um, um, radicals, you know, like the ones that uh, went to Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. Oh yeah, well. It's so if you say the wrong thing in in your in, in your tweets or your Facebook posts or or your emails, you know, you may get that knock on the door, or or look out your window and see a drone flying around your house. Well, I've sent plenty of wrong things on Tall Tales. <laughs> if they hadn't shown up by now, I don't know. You don't know that you're anymore. not on a list. I may be, you know, and I, I don't know what how to feel about that, but, you know, if that's what they want to do with their time. Well, just make sure you have your phone with you if they take you down so you can still do yeah. Trice Talk from your cell. That's right. Where are you, where are you at tonight? Well, I'm on location. Yeah, but, hey, at least you'd have some people you could interview. Uh, this that's is right. Bubba. He's no. my cellmate. And, uh, that's right. <laughs> uh he said he likes to hear me yodel, so I gotta put the phone down. I'll, I'll be back. Okay, all right. I've got something from from the Epic Times, so I can get somebody besides that other dude. Um, this is from uh, Jack Phelps, and um, his article is entitled "120 Retired Generals." Military officers sign letter warning of conflict between Marxism and constitutional freedom. Goes on to say more than 120 retired U.S. generals and admirals signed an open letter warning that the United States is embroiled in an ex, uh, existential fight and urged all citizens to get involved in local and state politics. Well, we've been talking about that for a while now. We are in a fight for our survival as a constitutional republic not like no other time since our founding in 1776. The conflict is between supporters of socialism and Marxism versus supporters of constitutional freedom and liberty, states the letter, which was signed by 124 former military leaders released by flag officers for America. I guess that's... Uh, organization the letter also uh 
posited the opposition to propose bills and laws that would strengthen election initiatives has troublesome implications. Election integrity demands ensuring that there is one legal vote cast and counted per citizen. Legal votes are identified by state legislatures approved controls using government IDs, verified signatures, etc. Today, many are calling such common sense controls racist in an attempt to avoid having fair and honest elections, the letter states. According to the Flag Officers for America website, it's a group of former military leaders who pledged to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, whether domestic or foreign. Of note, signatories of the letter include retired Army Brigadier General Donald Bolduck, uh, Senate candidate in New Hampshire, a retired Army Lieutenant General Boykin, retired Vice Admiral Poindexter, I remember that name, who was the Deputy National Security Advisor to President Ronald Reagan. China is the greatest external threat to America, establishing, China. <laughs> establishing cooperative relations. Scared me when you did that. Uh, with the Chinese Communist Party emboldens them <laughs> to continue progress towards world domination, militarily, economically, politically, and technologically. We must impose more sanctions and restrictions to impede their world domination goal and protect America's interest, the letter says. Other threats they listed include the United States re-entering the Iran nuclear deal, illegal immigration, and the stoppage of the Keystone XL pipeline project. President Joe Biden issued an order halting the pipeline project earlier in his presidency. Meanwhile, amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the retired military leaders said that lockdown orders affecting schools and businesses are tantamount to population control actions. We must support and hold accountable politicians who will act to counter socialism, Marxism, and progressivism, support our constitutional republic, and insist on physically responsible governing while focusing on all Americans, especially the middle class, not special interests or extremist groups, which are used to divide us into warring factions. The letter concluded by urging all citizens to get involved now at the local state and or national level to elect political representatives who will act to save America, our constitutional republic, and hold these currently in office accountable. Some military members questioned the purpose of the letter. Retired Admiral Mike Mullen, former head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said that the letter hurts the military and by extension it hurts the country and said it contains GOP talking points, according to Politico. Meanwhile, in France, dozens of retired generals were sanctioned after they recently sent a letter warning about a possible civil war over the protection of our civilizational values. They blamed France's leadership for not dealing with what they described as unfettered immigration into the country. Well, sounds similar, doesn't it? So, you know, I mean, every time there's some controversy in this country, I mean, you can find 
uh, retired military on both sides of the uh, aisle that will come in and make a point either for the Democrats or the Republicans. But, of course, I happen to uh, lean towards those that uh, argue for the Republican values. But um, I don't think it's any – I think it's funny that these generals are talking about the election integrity and so forth and, and realizing that, you know, that is a serious issue that's still being bantered around in Washington, D.C. And the Senate, you know, there's still questions about whether they can get it through the Senate or not. But right now we're, our hopes are hanging on two Democrats um, that, that will keep that Senate bill from passing, the voting rights bill. And that's all I got to say about that. Hmm. Well, uh, the Washington Examiner, again, by Quinn Hillier, says that the radical, incompetent Biden administration risks collective catastrophe. Joe Biden probably doesn't want to destroy America in order to save it. If he did want to do that, though, and if he knew what he were doing, I mean, or where he was, he would be doing exactly what he's doing now. For the long-term health of the U.S., Biden's first four months in office have been among the most destructive in my lifetime, the author says. Already, Biden is creating a legacy of labor shortages, a border crisis, dangerous debt, massive inflationary pressures, leftist cultural warfare, racial divisiveness, rising crime, and feckless foreign policy. Yes, I said feckless. And while the past week's gasoline shortages due to a ransomware attack aren't his fault, except at the margins, his ongoing failure to hold Russian Vladimir Putin accountable could serve as encouragement for similar future attacks. Multiple columns could be written on each of these subjects above. And fairness compels recognition that some of these ills already were growing under former President Donald Trump some due to his direct policy choices. Yet even in those cases, Biden's actions and efforts already have gone well beyond Trump's spendthrift, divisive folly. Suffice it to say that an already debt-ridden nation shouldn't be pushing for $6 trillion of new spending in in, in which things unrelated to coronavirus relief are called coronavirus relief. (laughs) Things having nothing to do with infrastructure are labeled infrastructure, along with an American family plan that would undermine the family. Likewise, promising free health care for illegal immigrants while trying to ban deportations and supporting sanctuary cities for criminal immigrants is an obvious means of exacerbating the border crisis Biden directly catalyzed. Meanwhile, pushing an anti-American racist garbage on all American public schools using constitutionality um, dubious means, uh, constitutionally dubious means, while all while stressing racial and gender identity politics in every conceivable way, Biden threatens to turn the official U.S. motto on its head. By repeatedly emphasizing and exacerbating differences instead of celebrating commonality, Biden's team uh, is turning e pluribus unum 
out of many, one, into its opposite, ex uno pluris, out of one, many. It is a direct renunciation of the American tradition from Ben Franklin to Martin Luther King Jr., and it is moral outrage. The effect of all this, intentional or not, and for at least a few hard leftists in the Biden administration, it may be indeed intentional, even if not from Biden himself, is the intellectually infamous Cloward Piven strategy in action. The idea is to keep creating new crises while making government so big that the entire system collapses. Although collapse would be largely the result of the weight of the government, the effect upon the system and upon private institutions will be so profound that only the government will remain powerful enough to fix it. The leftist professors who pushed the plan, Francis Fox Piven and Richard Cloward, used terminology that itself would be considered racist today, but at least they were clear about the goal of aggrandizing political power. They deliberately created crisis, they said, would permit national democratic leaders to cultivate ghetto constituencies without unduly antagonizing other urban groups. This is the domestic policy version, this time nationalized, of the oft-misquoted Vietnam-era idea of destroying the village in order to save it. Again, this is not to suggest that Biden himself is so dastardly as to intend such a dangerously revolutionary strategy of harming millions in the short term en route to a supposed Marxist utopia. It is, however, to say that Biden's policies and practices could lead inexorably to such a crisis as Cloward and Piven envisioned. As long as Biden's administration keeps moving in this direction, good Americans should oppose it with all the righteous energy we possess. So the article says. Hmm. Something to think about. It makes you want to go, hmm. I think you just did, actually. <laughs> Can we say anything nice yeah. about... Uh... <laughs> no, I guess we can't. No. 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 I mean, name one good thing that's come out in the last four months. Can you think of one good thing? You know, and I will be... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you I, thought you had something there, know. didn't you? And you, you I you, thought I did. You know, you want to, you want to, you want to hope the best in people, um, and just think that some of these people are just misguided and think they're doing the right thing and actually are, are doing something horribly wrong. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Only time will tell. Really. You, you've seen that. Uh... The uh, senator from uh, Louisiana, Kennedy. I can't think of his. Oh, yeah, he's a he's hoot. A I, I saw him this afternoon, and uh, he's like some of these people I use for these articles. I mean, this tongue-in-cheek thing that he does. But you know, he said, uh, you know, Republicans are ready to do infrastructure, but you know, just send us a bill that just has infrastructure in it, not all this other crap. 
or well, well, none of these politicians will ever. Well, no, because they, they couldn't care. get stuff passed if they if they they no. did them on their own merit. And Republicans are just as bad. They are. I'm saying you know on both sides, um, they couldn't pass a single bill uh, without shoving some kind of pork spending in there at all. And I I don't know why it's all tied to a pig. You poor pigs, they never did anything to stop uh, this. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they. It's a pork barrel thing. I'm sure it's, it has something in our our uh, previous culture. Aye, <laughs> aye, nonsense. Very well, yeah. sir. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. They know that if they if they just present a bill that addresses the one thing that needs to be done, so that's important that it gets it you know gets it passed. Uh, they won't do it because oh no, I need this. I need this. Uh, uh, you know, some. Uh, I, I need a new. Uh, laundromat over here in my district, and uh, we can't afford it if you don't put it in this bill. It's, but it's you're right. Both right. both sides have always done it, and and I've said a hundred times that um, Republicans, you know, they're they're running their mouth now about all the stuff that they can't do, but they had two years with Trump that they could have mm -hmm. done almost anything that they wanted to do. Almost anything. I'm sure the, the Democrats would have done the filibuster thing, uh, which they did do to them uh, uh, more than once. But at least try, you know, at least put it out. Well, there. now, now the you know, now the um, now the filibuster is is racist. Uh, racist oh yeah. So, you know, uh, they even though the that, Democrats so. used it last year, so uh, yeah. and and but you know, well. NBC or CBS, or ABC, CNN, will anybody call them on that? Will they ever mention it when they talk about it? No. That's fine. Do away with the filibuster and then set in its place term limits. And then we'll be perfectly fine with that. So, uh, term limits. And then, well, yeah, but see, they've, and it's like that uh, voters' rights bill they keep talking about. They've got tied to that, they've got uh, DC statehood included with that so you know there's another reason why that that thing sh it shouldn't pass even on its own but uh you know i, I keep thinking all right well if you want to make dc a state then make it mandatory that there's one republican and one democrat representative from dc forever right. it can never change you know you, you can have 50 50 control but you know that it's idiocy to me to, to make a state out of a city and then somebody who, you know, barely can function as a mayor is going to become the governor of that one city state. That's uh, just only only in Washington, D.C. could people come up with something like that. Mr. Mayor, did you realize that now you're, you're the governor? Oh, well, uh, harump, harump, harump. Uh, I didn't get a harump out of that guy. <laughs> Oh, it's, you know, and these people are supposed to be the brightest and the best of this country, you know, that we send there to make these bills and protect us and look out for our rights. That's right. If that's true, the best of the best we're the in best. trouble. We're in trouble. Mm -hmm. All right. So not only have they screwed up half the other stuff in this country, now the American Medical Association has jumped in the pool with both feet. Uh, this is an article from Epic Times by, oh my gosh, it says GQ Pan. 
GQ Pan. Well, you know, that was Peter, but, um, <laughs> you know, he finally started growing up. And they were like, "Hey, Peter, look at you!" All right, well, and, um, so now it's now it's GQ. There's a thousand ways that I can go with it. <laughs> uh, apparently, Tinkerbell is out on the streets, uh, but we'll we'll save that for another. Yeah, episode. I always like Tinkerbell. So, um, so, <laughs> so this article is by GQ Pan, <laughs> and it says American Medical Association embraces critical race theory, rejects meritocracy. All right, so Ooh. just add add their name to the list of uh, uh, kiss asses Jeez. in this country. The American Whoa. the American Medical Association, the AMA, the largest national organization representing physicians and medical students in the United States, says it will set aside its long held concept of meritocracy in favor of racial justice and health equity. In an 86-page strategic plan released in May, uh, or May 11th, since this is May, the AMA set out a three-year roadmap detailing how the advocacy group will use this influence to dismantle structural and institutional racism and advance social and racial justice in the American health care system. According to its plan, the AMA will be following a host of strategies, including implementing racial and social justice throughout the AMA enterprise culture, systems, policies, and practices, expanding medical education to include, oh my gosh, expanding medical education to include critical race theory. So they're not only going to teach you how to do heart surgery, but they're going to make sure that you understand critical race theory as you do it and pushing towards racial healing reconciliation and transformation regarding the organization's own racially discriminatory past. The AMA also makes it clear that it now rejects the concepts of equality and meritocracy, which have been goals in the fields of medical science and medical care. Equity, uh, I'm sorry, equality as a process means providing the same amount and types of resources across populations, the association said. Seeking to treat everyone the same ignores the historical legacy of disinvestment and deprivation through historical policy and practice of marginalizing and minoritizing communities. Okay. While the AMA doesn't run America's healthcare system, it holds tremendous influence over medical schools and teaching hospitals that train physicians and other health professionals. Those institutes, the AMA says, must reject meritocracy, which it describes as a harmful narrative that ignores the inequitably distributed social, structural, and political resources. The commonly held narrative of meritocracy is the idea that people are successful purely because of their individual effort, it states. You want me to repeat that? The commonly held narrative of meritocracy is the idea that people are successful purely because of their individual effort. Medical education has largely been based on such flawed merit. Meritoc 
meritocratic, meritocratic ideals, and it will take intentional focus and effort to recognize, review, and revise this deeply flawed interpretation. Instead, the AMA suggests medical schools should incorporate into their programs critical race theory, an offshoot of Marxism that views society through the lens of a power struggle between the race of oppressors and that of the oppressed. As a result, according to the theory, all long-established institutions of Western society are considered to be tools of racial oppression. Expanded medical school and physician education to include equity, anti-racism, structural competency, public health and social sciences, critical race theory, and historical basis of disease reads the document, which is loaded with critical race theory vocabulary. In a statement that accompanied the plan, AMA President Gerald Harmon said he is fully committed to this cause and called on the medical community to join the effort. We believe that by leveraging the power of our membership, our influence, and our reach, we can help bring real and lasting change to medicine, he said. The controversy around critical race theory in the U.S. institutions gained more attention in 2020 when President Donald Trump banned the use of training materials based on divisive and harmful sex and race-based ideologies in federal workplaces. President Joe Biden rescinded the order, instead issuing an order stating that his administration would pursue a comprehensive approach to advancing equity for all. So that's their stance on that. You did not build that business, Dennis Lee. That's right. Don't you know? Oh, I see that you got the you got the got the mute on there. Well, <laughs> I surprised you, didn't I? You uh, did. I, I you did. You did, you did not build that business, Dennis Lee. No, no I mean, no. heaven forbid that yeah. someone might advance because That's of right. their own That's personal right, efforts. I mean, a crunch in the a crunch of yeah, lunch. Got eat, eating those uh, pork rinds, but I, I mean, there's is there going to be a segment of our society that this is not going to creep into? I mean, if I don't it know. if it continues unchallenged which is it's being challenged especially on the school level now because a lot of parents are fighting back but it's just amazing that it i mean every every institution in this country is now almost bowing and saying oh yeah we've been racist and and uh yeah you know people can't be expected to do this on their own merit you know we've got to uh we've got to get involved and 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 make it work uh, I just, this whole thing, I had a long conversation with somebody uh, last week about this very issue, not really on critical race theory itself, but, but this idea that, uh, you know, people need somebody to do stuff for them. You know, we used to, we used to take care of ourselves and our families. And there are times when things happen to people or there are situations where people do need and deserve help, but not as a general rule, not as, as an everyday common occurrence, but that's, that's all of this is falling apart. 
I'm going to have to talk to my cousin who is, uh, I, I don't, I guess he's still working. Um, who is, a anesthesiologist back in Texas and, uh, see, get his thoughts on that. That'd be a good interview. Yeah, if he's sure coherent. Well, you know, <laughs> take a little bit for the patient, a little bit. Right, for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Donald Wayne, did you know your anus turns on its axis every 17 hours and 14 minutes? Um, and that your anus was officially discovered by Sir William Herschel in 1781? That's going back. I did know that. Um, yeah, did you? Because it used well, to be called something else, you, too. Uh, well, did, it, did you know it takes your anus 84 years to circle around the sun? Well, I mean, that's a long I'm, time. I'm getting close. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm yeah, getting close yeah. to that first it trip. Says, uh, <laughs> it says your anus gets about 42 years of direct sunlight. <laughs> and so the rest of that time, uh, half sunlight and 42 years of darkness. Jeez, that would um, be a depressing uh, just, environment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then your anus has 13 rings around it. Uh, <laughs> I'll go. Go explain that down okay, far. So, um, so <laughs> thank your pardon. <laughs> that is a that's a is it is it Wednesday forty two? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm slipping this in in lieu of my story because we're ticker down to the he's, wire. He's here. doing that for you, you know, Jess, because you weren't in last night when that, he was talking about Uranus. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Whoa, I wouldn't <laughs> talk about anybody when they weren't here. Um, but no, the, the, the planet, the subject. The, just try to make something out of it. Try, try just push that envelope. Uh, uh, he's, he's starting to sweat. Um, no, we're actually we're tickling out of time there, Donald Wayne. You know, they cut you off at two hours. So, um. We're at the nine minute. Let him, let nine try. Minute mark. Let him, nine minute. No, oh, we, no, no, oh, no, no. We've got, uh, we've got fourteen minutes, my friend, because we started late. Oh, we started yeah. late. Oh, I was, I was okay. Five right, or well, six minutes late. I'm glad you, you got. So you got time to to talk about something besides your anus if you want to. Well, I just figured. Um, let's see. Well, let's try and. Shove this in there. Um, <laughs> As you're so, talking about news, the planet. <laughs> Newsweek, uh, st a story by John Feng. Um, China media says U.S. will be defeated. Boast Army can overwhelm American troops. Well, you better get it straight, China. <laughs> the director of China's hawkish Communist Party newspaper has insisted the United States will be defeated if it engages in combat with a nation in its adjacent waters. Hu Xin, Global Times editor-in-chief, called for more expansion of China's military in order to counter Washington's strategy of containment and force a change in attitude among key U.S. partners. Wednesday editorial came a day after Tokyo began hosting U.S., French, and Australian troops for the first uh, such joint military exercises on Japanese soil. The drills will last through next Monday when their respective navies will train in the East China Sea. The purpose of the exercise is to pressure China and send a signal that the U.S. and Japan could bring more allies together to contain China. Who wrote that adding that he felt the administration of President Joe Biden 
has been t- testing China's response to the multilateral defense strategy. Beijing should respond by making clear that country's ability to triumph over the U.S. military, the prominent state media personality suggested. With China's strength, it needs to make the U.S. be increasingly sure that if the U.S. launches a war with the People's Liberation Army in China adjacent waters, it will be defeated, who said... China armed forces are sufficient to overwhelm U.S. troops and its allies, he added, before hinting at Beijing's own nuclear deterrent against Washington. He followed the Cold War-style warning by advocating for further expansion of China's military, economy, and technology for the sake of national security. China's growth of strength will gradually disintegrate the U.S., uh, will not strategically contain China and prompt a change in the U.S. allies' attitude, he predicted. Following a marked downturn in U.S.-China relations in the final year of the former President Donald Trump's terms in office, the Global Times had hinted at a likely reproachment under Biden and his Obama-era policy advisors. However, a number of deep disagreements over issues, including Beijing's ongoing policies in uh, Xinjiang and Hong Kong, have left the relationship as frosty as ever, despite a return to cooperation on climate change. Analysts have likened Biden's Asia policy to a continuation of the Obama administration's pivot and Trump's focus on the wider Indo-Pacific region. The American strategy to counter Beijing's rising influence and assertiveness beyond its coastal waters is one involving multilateralism and the successful weaving together of myriad regional disputes, all involving China. According to Nikia Asia, exercise Jan de Arc 21 will involve urban warfare and amphibious operations, including the defense of remote islands an area of increasing concern for Tokyo amid recent assertive actions by the Chinese Navy and Coast Guard around the Japan-controlled Senkaku Islands and Yanaguni, <laughs> I hope you don't catch that, <laughs> off the eastern coast of Taiwan. The Chinese government has questioned the involvement of European nations such as France in the exercise in the Indo-Pacific. France has overseas territories in both the Indian and Pacific Oceans, and maintains a military presence in both. At a daily press conference on Wednesday, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Hua Chengying dismissed the U.S.-led quadrilateral security dialogue involving Japan, Australia, and India. Hua likened the quad to an exclusive clique intended to sow discord in the region. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi in 2018, described the quad as sea foam. They may get some attention, but soon they'll dissipate. Um, you know, it may behoove the Chinese military to watch who they're talking to and the allies that we have with us. You know, I can see the Chinese and the Russians buddying up and probably throw the um, Iranian military in there as well. But um, I don't know. I don't know. What? I don't think they'd want to. Uh, I don't think they want to push that and uh, hit that hornet's nest. I would think that Russia would be afraid of China. I, I think Russia would. Well, Russia would. Russia would group together with China. They're they're buddies. 
Yeah, but, you know, that would only last as long as it would take, you know, for domination. And then, then you know, China would want to be on top. So, um, huh. it's, huh. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, you know, with, with uh, I saw, did we talk about the, the Chinese submarines, the, the advanced submarines that they were building and launching? Or maybe uh, no. I just read that article and we never used it. But, yeah, China's uh, been working on their, their submarine program and developing and getting a little bit ahead of us, according to some people. So, uh, you know, Biden needs to uh, spend a little bit more money. Uh, of course, that Star Wars thing needs to to be uh, front and center, well, too. Well, you got China that's deep into they're deep into the space race now. Um, they have been for a minute and then you've got, you know, the attack that, uh, you got the hackers that are breaking in every way they can, if not our elections into our, you know, natural resources. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past them that they're working together to just kind of test the fences, you know, like the old, um, um, uh, what was that movie? Um, yeah, anyway, one of those. <laughs> we had to see where see which area is weaker, and then you know. Are you talking about Jurassic Park? Where the? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't put them. You can't put it past any of them. Um, and unfortunately, history repeats itself. I I pray that it doesn't, because it won't be. Um, it'll be far worse than anything we've ever seen, but. Yeah, we, we've got to be ever vigilant. Well, they always sure. need to remember that the American people are armed. <laughs> so we not right. only have military, but there's a bunch of be a bunch yeah. of uh, yeah, Red Dawn. Red Dawn was yeah. nothing. Yeah, they, need, they need to watch up on that. All right. Okay. So now we have uh, about seven minutes. So if you want to slip into our uh, departure. Okay, well, uh, everybody look up at the uh, fasten your seatbelt sign. Please know getting up or going to the bathroom as we were about to land. Um, so, yeah, if you would like to, you know, if you're a Twitterer and you like to tweet and stuff like that, then uh, Twitter us on uh, Tristalk WG Moon. How about that one? Um, and then you can always email us if you want to give us suggestions about the show or, you know, what we should do or where we should go or you know, send those pictures, I mean, BP, really, um, to trashtalk69pts at gmail.com. Um, and then also, we're, yeah, I'm I sure know you I will. think you've got yeah. it on automatic pilot there. Um, then you can also, we, we'd encourage you to follow us on Facebook, where we put a lot of the um, stories that we use on the show are there. All the shows are posted there as well, along with some random pictures that uh, – we think are entertaining as well. Um, to get to know us a little bit, follow us there at uh, Facebook on Facebook at Tristalk. And then we're also on Spotify at Tristalk, Amazon Music at Tristalk, and Pandora at Tristalk. And what, which other ones? iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio at Tristalk. We're actually on LinkedIn. I don't really know why that would. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure why that is. It, that's it, odd it, to me. But yeah, it, okay. We're it's there on too. Pandora's offering. Uh, um, oh well, yeah, Pandora offers uh, a lot. Also, um, tune in and um, 
Oh, well, there there's, you go. there's, uh, I think there's uh, one more, but I don't have it in front of me, but, but, but I um, heart big parlor. Do you have parlor? Yes, we have parlor. Uh, that's at, uh, gray G R A Y C R A B. That oh, great okay. crab is on the um, parlor presence. Oh, well, you know, we're, we're on every Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at the new time now of nine 30 p.m. Eastern. Um, and, uh, you know, with, uh, with uh, mini pods in between and Donald Wayne is burning it up in the mini pod circuit. I mean, he's really racking those up and a lot of good feedback on those. Um, I, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep up the good I work there, it. sir. And, um, and then, uh, the tall tales in the rabbit hole will be coming out this weekend, uh, with a new schedule and, uh, get back with some weirdness and some, uh, reinvention there. So, um, be looking out for that as well. But look, we, we, we love you. We appreciate you. We couldn't do it without you and we thoroughly enjoy it. And especially, you know, having you here. So, Come back and yes, see us. We, we certainly appreciate you spending time with us tonight. Uh, and this is our second night of the new time. And, of course, this will be our last live show until Sunday night. Um, probably will have a mini pod tomorrow night and Saturday night. But uh, we'll be back on Sunday to do this all again. And good. What did you turn your desk over there, Dennis Lee? I mean, you what need happened? to. You need to put some uh, double-sided tape and all that stuff, and it won't roll around. Jeez. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like somebody's trying to hook you up with uh, some electronics or something. It's uh, 24 nipples. Yeah. All right. Uh. The closing thought for tonight <laughs> is honesty is often very hard. The truth is often painful but the freedom it can bring is worth the trying. So says our friend, Mr. Fred Rogers. All right. Yeah, I like, I like so that. Um, let me key this in here, Dennis Lee. And if you want to grab that light switch and we'll, uh, uh, we'll just uh, get out of here for now. All right. Well, Donald Wayne, the party's over and uh, good night, y'all. Stay safe, everybody. Cheers to the ones that we got. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not. Cause the drinks bring back all the memories of everything we've been through. Toast to the ones here today. Toast to the ones that we lost on the way. Cause the drinks bring back all the memories. And the memories bring back, memories bring back your... There's a time that I remember And I did not know no pain When I believed that forever Everything would stay the same Now my heart feels like December When somebody say your name Well I can't wait to call you But I know I will one day yeah. Everybody hurts sometimes Everybody hurts someday yeah, yeah. Everything gon' be alright Cheers to the ones that we got Cheers to the wish you were here But you're not Cause the dreams bring back all the memories Of everything we've been through Toast to the ones here today Toast to the ones that we lost on the way Cause the dreams bring back all the memories And the memories bring back Memories bring back your
like you There's a time that I remember When I never felt so lost And I fell out of the hatred Just to buy for the stars And my heart feel like an ember And it's lighting up the dark I'll carry these torches for you And you know I never try Yeah, ooh, everybody hurts sometimes